0: All right. Hey, y'all. So today is a good day, right? Today is a day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's right. Today. That's why we're here on Sunday, right? The Sabbath is Saturday. You bet. But hey, Jesus is alive on Sunday. And so that's why we're here today. So as as we're getting this dialed in and and, and Daniel's getting this switched over, I'd like for you to know that on December 8th at uh, at Evangel Church just down the road on Broadway we're having our cluster charge conference together one of the requirements is that it's announced from the pulpit so here we go December 8th at 1:30 p.m. Evangel Church will meet with district superintendent Cynthia Williams and we will vote on budgets and leadership teams and all of that sort of thing more information to follow but I just wanted to make sure you have that now for our goofing around here if you if you have your device, you can go to minty.com and then type in that code 952498, and you can vote along with us here. What's uh, what? What do you prefer? And if you don't have a device, just shout it out. What you? Which one of those you think is first? Prime rib. Prime rib is good, isn't it? Yeah. No, I don't know. Salmon. Salmon's a little fishy to me. I don't know. I... <laughs> dad joke, right? I'm sorry, Maddie. I'll try to scale those back. (laughs) Oh, relax. I'm trying to swim through it. All right. Prime Rib's winning. Then why do you all eat turkey on Thanksgiving Day? I'm not eating turkey this week, next week. I've ruined enough of them. I'm not cooking another one or or trying to cook another one. What's that? Did you fail the first time? I didn't fail just the first time. I failed a lot of times. We're having ham, baby. We're having ham. Or maybe I, April can kill it on prime rib, so maybe we'll do prime rib. Right? Don't ask me about my turkey. Uh, People's co-op, and I got a bone to pick about turkey. Anyway... <laughs> Nice. So welcome to worship today, everybody. So man, look at this 23 people voting. I think that 24 that might be a record for us. All right. So to today, today, we are in our still in our believer series month of November is our believer series. And today we are talking about new things third in our series our text for today is Isaiah 65 verses 17 through 25 so if you have your bible in your uh, on your lap or in your device you can go ahead there if you want today new things new things is where we're going okay so how would you describe the world right I mean how would you describe the world is it is you know it's it's a pretty pretty great place or well, it's pretty so-so, especially for some people or, you know, all the way at the far end, the world is an awful place and there's lots of wickedness and evil and how would you describe the world? That's that's a good question because most most all major philosophies and most all major religions, you know, I don't know if this is, I just totally stole this off of, Let's call that yeah. That's the Iberian Peninsula. Never mind. Okay, so most major philosophies and most major religions of the world—they see the world as a broken place, right? I mean, that's kind of it. Especially human societies and humans themselves. Where I mean, most every major philosophy, most every major religion says, "Oh my goodness, this place is a train wreck, and we need to fix this." Now. Everybody goes about it a different way, especially the the major religions, right? Buddhism, you try to get off the wheel and, and, you know, your five elements go back into, you know, the, the, the universe. And Hinduism does something different and Islam does something different. Today, we are going to talk about the Christian view of the world and how it gets fixed. The problem... The problem, the different ways. You know, Well, let me, just, let me just head straight for it. The way that Christians say God is fixing up the world is through new creation, okay? New creation. So let me read to you Isaiah 65 so you can turn there or just follow along with me. For I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former thing shall be remembered not I'm sorry not be remembered or come to mind but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people no more shall the sounds of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress no more shall there be in it an infant that lives only but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, as my chosen and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy On all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Isaiah 65, 17 through 25, the word of the Lord. Verse 17 is it for me, right? Now this version, the NRSV just says, for I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. Other versions will say, behold, I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. I love that. The former thing shall not be remembered or come to mind. Behold I, am, behold, I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. So here's the main point, guys, that we can believe that in spite of our weakness, the weakness in your life and my life, in spite of our weakness, in spite of the weakness in our churches, and goodness knows there's a lot of that, in spite of the seemingly endless problems of pain and wickedness in the world, God is bringing about good through new creation. In spite of our flaws, weaknesses, and what seems to be evidence to the contrary, God is bringing about good through new creation. Okay? Now here again, back to behold, I am about to create a hev- new heavens and a new earth. So, how important is the concept of new creation to our Christian faith, in your opinion? And uh, go ahead and vote here. And if you don't have a voting device, just, just say it out loud so I can hear. Very, very, okay, yes, very. Okay, someone? Very, very. okay. I'm seeing a pattern here. Okay. good so four four people you know I guess it is 18 people yes very okay so keep your keep your thinking in mind here as we move through the rest of our, our 20 minutes together God says, I'm about to create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will be forgotten. Joy will be mine and joy will be theirs. You know what, guys? Israel, Old Testament Israel, they knew things were broken. They knew things were messed up. They knew life wasn't supposed to be this way, right? Just as you do. They weren't stupid. They weren't, you know, people of of fuzzy understanding. They, They knew that the world was broken. They knew that people were not created for evil. They knew that evil was not supposed to be here. They knew that something needed to happen to make it different. And you know what they did? They believed that God would fix it, and they prayed that God would. Okay? They waited. They waited for God to show up and make things right. They wanted God to come and redo what had been broken so very badly by evil. They had the promises of of many prophets that the coming day of the Lord, the coming of God, Isaiah, there's lots in Isaiah about, I'm coming, right? I'm coming. And, and we're going to have somebody sing Wilson Phillips Hold On For One More Day at the end of service. I'm kidding. Because they said I couldn't sing very well and I shouldn't try. I get even. Okay, no, I'm kidding. They had the prophets who were telling them, you know, guys, hold on. God's going to make things right. God's going to make things right. You've got to hold on. Things will get better. They had all of these, all of these things. They had these promises in Isaiah 65 that one day God would act and you you can hear all the ones from your Sunday school remembrances, right? The lion and the lamb and a kid will a child will lead them and nobody's going to get hurt. They'll, they'll pound their they'll pound their swords into pruning no, pound their swords into into shears and their spears into pruning hooks. They will do away with their garments that are filled with the blood of war. They'll burn them. You know, Israel waited for that. Israel knew that. They prayed for that. And then, and then we have this, this idea here in Isaiah just a few chapters earlier than 65 that I read to you that one day the, the Messiah would come and aid God in what God wanted to do. That the Messiah, the suffering servant, would show up and restore all things. You will hear this. By His stripes we are healed. The suffering servant who takes on the pain of our disobedience. Our pain. The suffering servant who says, to us, all of us like sheep have gone astray, but yet He brings healing to us. The Messiah, the suffering servant, the one who comes in the name of God. These Jews knew these things and they waited for God to act. And you know what? I bet, I bet you're kind of waiting that way too. And sometimes, especially when you read the sensationalized news front page of whatever you read, people trying to sell you information. They, they, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Um, and, and you can just shake your head and say, man, the world is an awful place. What does the Christian message have to say to all of this? What can we believe, Aaron? What can we believe? They had the promises of God, and you know what? We have the promises of God too. So here's what we believe, everybody. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, right? Christ isn't Jesus' last name. (laughs) Like, you know, Joseph Christ and Mary Christ had Jesus Christ. That's not it, right? Christ did. People believe that. They, You're all laughing because you did too. Um, no. What I'm saying is Christ is a term, a, a Latin version of the word, you know, Moshi, Messiah, the, the anointed one of God. Jesus is that one. He came, we believe, to set things right. He came as fully human, fully God, both and one and the same to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We believe that Jesus went willingly to the cross. The pain of the cross. He went willingly knowing, believing that what he was doing there would accomplish good for you and me and all of God's creation. Right? We should all be nodding our heads in this, right? We believe that Jesus on that cross defeated death and evil. And then when we connect it to Easter morning, resurrection morning, new creation shows up in the dark of that first morning. And like we talked about an hour ago in in discipleship class with a few apostles, a few women... New creation dawned upon the world. Behold, I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth, says Isaiah, for God. The new heavens and the new earth that will come through the action of God, the blessings of obedience to be ours will be for all people. You know, Israel, they believed that the coming of God wouldn't be just for them, but through them, the blessings would be for the whole world. We can hear God's promise to to Father Abraham, who had seven sons. Seven sons had Father Abraham. Um, we, you're all wanting to stand up, sit down, turn around right foot, left foot, aren't you? Anyway, <laughs> I loved that song as a kid. As a hyperactive little child, I'd about make myself pass out from being dizzy, turning around so much. We can hear the promise of God to Abraham, who said, So the sands of the, of the, by the sea, or the stars in the sky, so will the number of your descendants be, and through you, all nations of the world will be blessed. Jesus descendant of Abraham a blessing new heavens and new earth no longer would things frighten us no longer is death to be feared although if we're honest we'll say yeah I'm still kind of afraid of death no longer, if we remember Isaiah 65, the, the lion, things that terrify you if you're, a, you know, you're an ancient person, a lion to attack you, no longer will you be afraid of that or snakes or, or starvation or famine or war because the blessings of God through the obedient servant will be yours if we all believe. God will be all in all. Jesus the coming messiah Jesus the bringer of the inbreaking kingdom of god when jesus first comes out of the desert the very first words out of his mouth in book of mark repent and believe the good news for the kingdom of god is at hand to have a kingdom you need a king the king is god god the father who reigns over a peaceful land a land of hope that is brought through Jesus the kingdom bringer new creation came through the death of Christ the resurrection of Jesus and now Jesus stands i'm sorry sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven ruling over heaven and earth that's the gospel right that's the gospel right there i mean come next sunday and you hear that too it's christ the king sunday So, Aaron, how can we ever evidence this? You know, you, you're, you're saying a lot of great words, Aaron, and it sounds awesome, but I know me. <laughs> yeah, I know you too. You should be ashamed. No, um, no, I'm kidding. I know me and I am ashamed. How in the world? We see around us. What? How can this ever evidence the righteousness of God, Aaron? How can we be like this? How can we be like the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, you know, you love people and you don't get mad at them. You, you forgive. and How you, how you do all that stuff? Well, you don't. You don't. Because old you is too broken. Old you gets in a lot of trouble. New you evidences the glory of God. New creation you evidences the beauty of God, the hope, the forgiveness, the mercy of God. God's, the creator God. (laughs) I skipped on. Uh, Creator God who created it all in the first place, I believe, can recreate you and me and this church and the world to resemble what it was supposed to be the very first time before we messed it up with giving our hearts to something that we shouldn't have worshipping something that we shouldn't have like ourselves in greed and wickedness god can create for us new life frail disciples that we are frail followers of jesus that we are god himself intervenes on our behalf and recreates us into the image of jesus who is alive so that we might evidence new creation You'll see here, I'm not talking about this being a spirituality club or just a place to be happy and do good works. This is a place of new creation. This is a place of new chances, new starts, failures, and new beginnings. Of honestly seeking to set right the things that are so broken in our lives, of calling out to God Abba, Father, I am so broken, I need help right? We all just, we got a sin problem, y'all, right? It's not just that we just had, you know, bad parents and it's always the mother's fault. So says Sigmund Freud. (laughs) Or Sigmund Freud, whatever you want to call him. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it's not just that we, you know, we had a rough childhood or we're not, you know, thoroughly integrated and differentiated adults. It's no, no, we got a sin problem, that needs to be recreated. Not the sin problem, the newness. (laughs) I recreate my sin problem enough. Thank you very much. What I'm saying is we have a problem that needs fixing and only Jesus is going to fix it for us. And to that, we can all say hallelujah and amen. amen. There you go. Thank you for that. Okay, what you got? What's that? I'm confused about this. So what's your question? I, what are you confused I, I'm, just, I'm just confused about all of it. Okay, what are you confused about, Manny? Everything. About everything. Okay, what's the first? What's the starting point of the confusion? Um. Why God um even made us if he knew like we were mm-hmm. going to do something wrong. Then why did he even create us? If God knew we were going to do something wrong, why did he create us in the first place? Okay. Let me give you an example. I believe in love, and I wanted to be with somebody and I happened to meet this gal at college. Her name was april right i didn't know much about her um and you know and we we you know, long story long um we we got we got married about six years later um she had some stuff to do right so uh, I'm kidding. Can anybody let me have a room in their house? Anyway, um, (laughs) I'm kidding. So back to Maddie's question. So now I chose, when I decided to ask that young lady to marry me, I was terrified. She could be an axe murderer. And I'm not kidding. She could be a well-disguised psychopath. Cute, but psycho. Right? Um, she could be uh, going to, to die in a car wreck in, on our honeymoon. Our children could come down with blah, blah, blah. There could be nuclear war. The earth could end. I could come down with cancer. All of those could happen. She could turn on me. She could say, you're an awful man and I hate you. But love takes risks for the love, for the beloved. Okay? God knew, yes, God knew we might mess up. And in love, there's always a chance. But God says, I'm gonna, these, these I, I love. I make these, these I love. And then, I mean, gosh, not even like three years into the world, (laughs) if you want to, into recorded world, if you want to think of it that way. Adam and Eve mess up. I mean, for goodness sakes, it's in the, that's on like the sixth page of the book. After the table of contents, it's the very first thing. (laughs) I mean, this shouldn't be called the Holy Bible. This should be called stupid humanity. And God's action to save them from themselves. Okay, that's the saga. That's the saga. And I kid you not. That is what this entire thing is all about. You are, you are beneficiaries of God's saga to save stupid humanity from themselves. Okay, part. <laughs> this is. This is. Do uh, you know? Like in movies, they release lots and lots of sequels. This is sequel number 16 billion. God's efforts to save stupid humanity from themselves. And so, yes, God knew we would mess up. And yet he knew he would fix it. The entire Bible is the story of God fixing mess up. Until we get to that apex of Jesus who once and for all fixes mess up, and all of the and that's what grace is, right? I, I never see myself leaving April, even even though she you know does things that really no, I'm kidding. <laughs> April will never leave me, even though I do really annoying things. <laughs> I mean, you're going to eat another pie again. Uh-huh, yeah save me make me stop okay (laughs) so God that so that's the part of Jesus Jesus didn't come yeah April's like move it on Jesus didn't come to wave a bony finger at us and say oh y'all going to hell Jesus didn't come to say you got to follow the rules Jesus said God loves you so very much Your sin problem is now mine. I will take it from you. I will fix it for you and offer you a second restart. Like when your kid on the playground, you know, restart. That's what God God called a restart for us in Jesus. In Easter morning when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, new creation, you see? that's why this is so important Jesus isn't a guy who tells us how to be nice Jesus is a guy who breaks the back of evil he evil said I got you on the cross and Jesus slapped evil to the curb on the resurrection okay does, does, is that a good place to start okay nice talk to April tell her I'm sorry. (laughs) Eric, help me out, brother. Okay. (laughs) I'm not saving you, sucker. No. All right. (laughs) Now, when you've been grasped, when you've been grasped by that vision, that Jesus vision, when you, when I've been grasped by that Jesus vision, Okay, I'm getting excited. I'm going to start bouncing now. When you get grasped by that vision, Jesus says, come on. I say, okay, where are we going? He says, you don't need to know. You just come on. And I start living in a way that new creation is happening and Jesus is alive. And I say, okay, buddy, let's do it. And we go and I live that way and you live that way. And the church stands up in a world going to hell. And the world stands up and says, no longer. And the world says, oh, but we're going to. And and we say, no, you're not. And the world says, we're going to kill you. And we say, we don't care. Because we know what happens when you kill somebody like that. Resurrection happens. Jesus says, follow me. We say, okay. When we've been grasped by that vision, I don't have to care about all my problems. I can see the future. When God comes to me and he says, Aaron, I know you're a mess up, but I love you anyway. Come on, your new creation. I say, okay, thank you for the second chance. And I move on. When I say, when, when this message of new creation comes to me, I can be happy. Why do you think the, the first Christians, well, the first churches exploded across the Mediterranean basin? Uh, Europe and Turkey and North Africa. Why do you think Christianity exploded? Because there was no religions and everybody just wanted to believe something? (laughs) No, there were lots of religions. Everybody had one. They were comfortable. Why was this the fastest growing religion, one of them, in those first couple of hundred years? Because in this faith, a new community, a new creation was formed where all people were welcomed, men, women, slaves, outcasts, where healing came, where people of different races and cultures could sit in the same room and sit at the same table eating dinner together, something that never happened, where rich and slaves could sit at the same table, where feet washing of each other would happen between people that never ever interact, Because these people shared everything they had with one another. Do you see this vision of Jesus, this new creation? When that happens, the world can't help but notice and say, oh, wow. Even when the church was experiencing persecution. You know? Hey, be a Christian, we'll throw you to the lion. Should be a great fun. And people still said yes. Why? Because they got a book deal? They got to be... Instagram influencers? No, because they believed that this new creation was something worth dying for. Because this was something that never existed before. Do you see how important the church is? This isn't just the Jesus Club where we think it's a pretty good idea and our grandma drags us here. This is a world-transforming place filled with world-transforming people Who are in fact terrifying to those who do not believe? This church cannot ask, one more thing, this church cannot ask the surrounding world, what do you think we ought to look like? How should we be? What should our morals be? The world is old creation, you are new creation, and never the twain shall meet only new is here only Jesus is here so do you see the beauty in this do you see the beauty in this this message of new creation is an amazing gift given to you and to me It's a shame to reduce it to church attendance. It's a shame to just reduce it to doing good. It's a shame to just reduce it to anything other than world-transforming beauty. The Creator God has the power to remake this place, remake you, remake this world into something that does not bear the stamp of sin upon it. The world without sin is what everyone has been longing for. Whether they know it or not. So what should we do, Aaron? What do I do to become a new creation? We turn from our disobedience that created the problem in the first place we worship god and we do not we do not worship ourselves or money or power or anything other than god alone we give up ourselves and we turn to god alone step number 1 we repent of this disobedience i remember it happens in lots of different ways over lots of time frames. But I'd grown up in the church. My mom's a pastor after all. And, man, I was a sophomore in college. I had faith, right? Which really means I didn't. And then one day when I was flying back to school, back to college, on a stupid little 19-seat airplane that I thought I was going to die in a fireball above Fort Collins, Colorado, I met Jesus for the first time. I couldn't stop smiling for a week. Because I knew that I had been given this free gift. And I don't know what your story is or where you've been, but all of us, if you've if you've received that free gift of hope and mercy and love remember that if you want to know that today just cry out to God we may not know how to find God but God knows how to find us and we pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us every day and enable us to live in a new creation lifestyle not perfect not perfect but those who daily, consistently step forward into new creation, longing for the day when Jesus comes back and does it fully for that time. And then after we take care of ourselves, we turn outward and we start spreading the the vision of new creation to those around us, our friends, our family, our communities. If Jesus were to design a city, what would it look like? do that if Jesus were to build buildings how do you think Jesus would build them do that if Jesus were to talk to men and women about the way they communicate in life how would he form our relationships do that how would Jesus build economic systems do that would Jesus build warplanes? Do that. You see? New creation comes, and it's terrifying to those who want old creation. But if this church is new creation-driven, we will be the most terrifying people on the planet. We'll be like, we'll be like not terrorists, but gracists. Spreading grace wherever we go. And they're like, oh great, here comes those people telling me i got to forgive somebody. (laughs) Oh great, here comes those people wanting to mow my lawn for free. Man, great, here comes those people telling me, smiling at me, stop smiling at me. (laughs) Forgiving me when I punch them. Stop it. (laughs) I'm making light of this point. But guys, see, we're different. We're not like old creation. You're new creation. And the first step we all got to take is to be new creation ourselves. Cry out, God, I want to be new. Hey, wait a minute, Aaron, is this an altar call? Well, I dare say it is because I'm evangelical like that. I know that's something different in Methodist churches, but I believe there's lots of ways to find God. And one of those ways is to pray on a Sunday morning. God, speak to me and I'll invite you all to that today. But I want you to hear the call of God drawing us forward into something new today. Calling us forward into hope and love and peace into new creation. That's the message of this church. Not that we're nice and we have donuts. That's a shame. But that we have new creation.